This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, you're going to like this score. Early in the second period, the Florida Panthers lead the Minnesota Wild 3-0. The Wild, of course, stunning Tampa Bay last night with a 3-0 victory on the road. Not going so well for them tonight. The Wild with 74 points. They hold down the second and final wild card playoff spot in the Western Conference. The Oilers sitting there seven back at 67 points. So a win by Florida would be good for the Oilers tonight. It would keep them seven back with two games in hand on the Wild. Of course, Edmonton also working to pass Colorado and Arizona. They will continue on that journey tomorrow when they host the Toronto Maple Leafs. Remember, this is an earlier start. Five o'clock drop of the puck at Rogers Place. Our coverage will commence with the face-off show at 3.30 in the afternoon. Also early in the second period, Capitals up 1-0 on the Devils and five minutes left in the first already 3-0 Winnipeg leading Carolina. Blake Wheeler has his 19th of the season. Kevin Hayes has scored for the Jets as well and coming up later tonight, it is the Canucks meeting the Ducks. So for the Oilers practice today, everybody on the ice except for Milan Lucic, who has been dealing with a bit of a hip issue the last couple of weeks. So he uh, he did not skate today. Head coach Ken Hitchcock saying that he is hopeful, hopeful that Lucic will indeed be able to go tomorrow against the Maple Leafs. So we'll keep an eye on that game time decision. There's uh, no morning skate tomorrow, so we'll have to see if he's out there for the warm-up. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chad, you can get in touch by calling 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Our email is inside sports at 630ched.com. You'll hear a little bit from uh, Hitch as we roll along tonight. Also, Sam Gagne as the Oilers get ready for Toronto. This is going to be fun in the next half hour of the show. We will catch up of uh, one of the all-time greats in the hockey world, the one and only Bob Ridley, who uh, yesterday it was announced he's going into the Alberta Hall of, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. The induction will be later this year in Canmore. Bob, of course, the play-by-play voice for the Medicine Hat Tigers. He's worked for Chat down there in Medicine Hat for 50 years. And uh, I don't think he drives the bus every game anymore, but also bus driver for the Medicine Hat Tigers. So for most of his career, he would drive the bus, get off the bus, do the play-by-play, 
get back on, drive the bus to, uh, for the Tigers for their next destination. Great guy. He's going to be on after the 6.30 news. But right now, former NHLer, used to play for Hitch. We'll talk about that from the NHL Network, two-time Stanley Cup champion Dave Reed. Dave, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Thanks for having me back. It is great to have you on the show. And, man, we got a lot to talk about. But I'm going to take you down memory lane, first of all. Let me think. 2019, 1999. My goodness, Dave, can you believe it was 20 years ago you and Ken Hitchcock and a bunch of other guys lifted the Stanley Cup with the Dallas Stars? 20 years, man! Yeah, it, uh, it, it seems like yesterday, but uh, I don't like looking at the calendar because uh, the, those 20 years have absolutely flown by. And there were a lot of other guys who helped us lift that cup uh, with Hitch, but uh, that was... Uh, my first Stanley Cup, I was fortunate to win another one afterwards, but that was uh, uh, at a time where, you, you know, not not sure you're going to do it. We're playing Buffalo. We're injured. We've got guys all banged up. Uh, we had a great series against Colorado, a seven-game series. Uh, I believe it was we beat the Oilers, I think, in the first round in four. They were always seemed to be our nemesis in the first round of the playoffs in those years, the three years I was there. And then... Uh, we finally got it done by uh, by a goal by Brett Hull in uh, triple overtime way back when in 1999. And everybody in Buffalo has fully accepted that goal. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not allowed over the border there. Again, I live in the Toronto area, just north of Toronto. So when I go to the, through the states, I'm driving. The Buffalo border is where I go, and I, 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 uh, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that uh, they still remember I'll drive over, and uh, that was no goal, you know. Oh, geez, yeah, you read my passport, didn't you? Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hitch was the coach. Obviously, he, he came in here back on November 20th. The Oilers had a really good burst his first few games, uh, and then a, a pretty rough patch, and now they're looking a little bit better again. And, uh, you know, Hitch has that reputation. I, I work with Rob Brown, who had him back in junior. He's got that reputation of being, being tough on guys, maybe being uh, hard to play for in some ways, but obviously, um, you know, you got to share the ultimate victory with him. What, what, are, your, some, this, what are some of your memories of, of playing for Hitch and maybe the impact he had on you as a player? Well, the, to start with, he was the best coach I ever had. Um, as far as the tactical part of the game, he understood the game. He knew what we could do, what each player could do, and uh, when to put each player in a situation to be their best and allow them to be their best. He also understood the opposition and how to dissect the opposition, and his presentation of how to do it was very simple, very straightforward. Uh, there was not a lot of questions afterwards as about what about this or that because uh, uh, he was very good at, at bringing across the game plan uh, as well as uh, yearly game plans and future game plans but the game plan uh, on a day-to-day basis and practice plan was fantastic so uh, as far as playing for him I, I believe that he he knew that to get the best out of everybody you had to push the players beyond the limits that they wanted to be what I always called getting outside of your comfort zone and to do that he had to be a bit of a pain in everybody's you know what um, but he made sure that he didn't pick favorites everybody on the team you could say maybe hated him at one point and but we all pulled on the rope the same way so if there was uh you know, one guy who was in the doghouse, you know, everybody felt for him because everybody was pulling the rope for each other. And I always said that was Hitch's game plan was he didn't need friends in the locker room. He just needed everybody pulling the rope the same way and in the direction that he was going. And he was very good at getting everybody to do that. Uh, saying that, you know, when, when you're playing for him, at times you feel like taking your stick and whacking him over the head and tell him to shut up. And uh, and because he'd be as hard on you as you could be on him, but he had, ultimately he was the coach, so he, he directed who was going to be on the ice. But at the end of the day when we won, I've got the ultimate respect for um, for Ken and, and what he 
you know, allowed us to do in the Dallas Stars and the level that he brought me uh, in my game in the three years that I played under him. I wish I had him earlier in my career. I think my career would have even been more successful um, if I had had him early in my career because he pushed me through comfort zones that I didn't know that I was able to push through. Um, I also think that Ken is a perfectionist on the ice. We played in the old Reunion Arena, which was a, you know, took compared to today's standards, especially where you have in Edmonton, it, it was the, 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 the old dump of an arena type of thing. But it was an old arena. We loved it. But the ice wasn't that good. The humidifiers or dehumidifiers didn't always work as well, and the puck didn't always stay flat. So you could pass a puck across the ice perfectly on a guy's stick, and it could take a bad bounce, hop over a stick, and you'd come back to the bench, and hit would be up and down the one side of you talking about you've got to be able to take that pass. Everybody on the team knew that the puck bounced over your stick, and there's nothing you could do about it, but that was Hitch. You know, he was just the perfectionist, and uh, you know, he wanted to win every game, not allow the other team a shot and a goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, he got the best out of every player on the team. I mean, he made Mike Madano a better player and Joe Neuendijk better players. Um, so, you know, to me, that that's what it's all about. It's getting the best out of your players and being able to have the respect at the end of the day to sit down and have a chat with them, have a beer with them, go to dinner with them. And Hitch could do that during the season. I mean, he'd sit in the locker room, guys would sit and joke and, um, and have fun with them. Uh, but when it came time to work, everybody knew he was the boss, and he made sure everybody was pulling the rope in the same direction. Wow, that, is I some... that summarizes my my uh, oh, that's my great. thoughts of uh, of Hitch. But uh, I mean, he's like I said, he's the best coach I've got I've ever seen, uh, and I've got a lot of respect for Ken. Well, that, yeah, those are some great memories for sure, and an interesting context too for for what he meant to your career. Dave Reed joining us tonight on Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet. Well, I don't know how much is Hitch, how much is the guys he's playing with, and how much is this player just deciding he's going to see how far he can elevate his game. And that is Leon Dreisaitl, who, I mean, it was almost a surprise he didn't score last night <laughs> against Vancouver, especially yeah. considering he had a breakaway, but he did extend his point streak to twelve. I mean, he's still a relatively young guy, Dave, and that's the the fun part for me is is seeing him push himself and then I think sometimes these younger players they like guys are always trying as hard as they can but they can kind of create a new standard for themselves a new bar and I almost feel like Leon's going through that right now and I think having Connor McDavid there to you know kind of play off of on a different line or even challenge each other where on the, they're on the same line is key. Um, I always had it in Dallas. We had it in Colorado. We had you know Sackick and Forsberg in Colorado, and we had Madano and Newendike in Dallas. And when you've got two great players competing against each other, and now you've got to put Connor on another level, but uh, Leon's doing a pretty good job of of competing and, and staying with Connor this season. And when you've got two guys of that. Uh, ability going night in and night out wanting to be better than the other guy it's that great uh, in, in inner competition amongst teammates now they want to play and you know they're happy to see each other score and and be the best they can be because it's best for the team but at the end of the day everybody wants to be the leading score everybody wants to have the highlight goal so I think it's great uh, that Leon Dreisel has really you know stepped up and is pushing Connor McDavid to a to, so, so to speak you know everybody's watching the games to see what Leon's going to do is he going to continue this streak and I agree with you he should have scored in that breakaway he doesn't usually miss on those at least in the last uh, month or so he hasn't missed so um, I think it's it's fantastic that you've got these two young guys being able to do that and they also elevate and bring up everybody else's game um, we've seen it many times where you know Sidney Crosby for example makes players around him who play with him better players because they are they don't want to uh, you know, be embarrassed or they don't want to be taken off the line. So they've got to elevate their game to play with the best players in the game. And Edmonton's definitely got two of the best in the game with uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid. 
Well, and we're into the last month of the season here, Dave, and, and we've been calling the, the race for the wildcard spots in the Western Conference a turtle derby, though now, teams, <laughs> now teams have picked it up a little bit, and the Oilers are in that situation where, uh, you know, they're not out of it. They're, they're hanging around, I guess, is the credit you give them. They, they won't go away, though they're not in a great spot. They've passed a couple teams. Minnesota's picked up their game. Arizona's 8-2 and two in their last 10. I, I mean, Minnesota has the edge right now because they have the spot. So that, that, that's always important. But when yeah. you kind of handicap the rest of the season, um, is, is there a team there in that wild card chase that, that you really like to finally grab it by the second weekend in April? Well, I think it's going to be tough, and and I I think the problem that Edmonton's running into now is that all the teams with about 15 games to go are buckling down, much like the Oilers are doing. They've won four straight, and they've played well, and six wins in their last nine. They're putting points on the board regularly. Only one game of those they haven't, but other teams are doing the same. Minnesota, for example, very difficult schedule. They're doing the same. I mean, I I think word's just coming out that uh, Gabriel Landeskog could be out a month with a possible injury. I mean, that's just being talked about in the office today. Today. Um, and that's going to be a huge blow to Colorado. Arizona just seems to keep winning games. They're, they're, they're a team that is playing systematically strong. They've got confidence in themselves. I think they, they could be the team that, that um, might actually creep in. But it's going to be tough because Dallas... You can't score on Dallas, and that's an incredible turnaround, what uh, Jim Montgomery's done with that team. So as all the teams continue to win, I don't know if there's going to be a change to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, uh, it was Everybody's like, wow, they're, they're in big trouble. They're, they're, they're going to struggle. And Bruce Boudreau says we're going to make the playoffs, and lo and behold, they've rattled off a whole pile of wins. And I mean, they just shut out Tampa, for goodness sake. I mean, that, that, that was not uh, seen. So I think that's the biggest problem now is the teams are realizing we've got to win these games. And they're they're winning the games. And when you're trying to catch a team by six or seven points, and you're not playing that team two or three times, and everybody just keeps winning and getting points, it's it's really tough to climb the ladder. And I think the biggest problem now for most teams is games remaining and they're running out. Um, so I'm not sure there's going to be a change in the positioning right now. Dallas is playing so well, and Minnesota playing so well. They're in the wild card. Um, with Colorado losing Landeskog, I think that could be. A huge blow, but uh, Edmonton with seven points, I believe they're about seven or eight points back, seven points out of the wild card or eight points, that could be just games remaining is, is their biggest problem. I mean, even if they go six, 700 at the end of the season, I don't see another team, I don't see Dallas or Minnesota going or St. Louis dropping out to play 400 or 450 hockey. And, you know, not, you know, it's not good news for Edmonton, but the fact is that at this time of the year, everybody is, everybody's buckled down, understanding that these games are like game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs to get in. So uh, I'm not sure if there'll be any changes to the schedule or to the movement from now until the end of the season. Yeah, going to be tough for sure. Well, Dave, it's always great to have you on the show. We'll have to talk again once we roll into the postseason. Thanks for giving us some memories of that cup title with uh, Dallas and your thoughts here on the current race. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Reed. Good stuff there from Dave Reed from the NHL Network, formerly NHL player, talked about winning the Stanley Cup with Hitch. Really great perspective on what it was like for him having Ken Hitchcock as his head coach. By the way, here's my little percentage update thanks to Sports Club Stats. The Oilers now up to 3.8% to make the playoffs. The primary target record, 11-3-1. That's 23 out of their 30 remaining points, it would get them to 90 on the season. You can text 630-630. Our call-in number 780-496-0063.
coming back after the break. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Halfway through the second period, 4-1, the Panthers leading the Wild. The Oilers will be hoping that score stands. Also want to tell you, by, by the way, Kellen, you were here earlier this week. I was, You've been yes. doing all the shows. We had Brody Clark on. Mm-hmm. From the U of A basketball team. Do you remember that story he told about getting to nationals? I do. We may maybe we'll play that again later on tonight. It was uh it was pretty well, you know what? Let's I'll do how do we have time? Yeah, we got time. Here it is. So this is Brody Clark from the U of A Golden Bears basketball team about their journey to nationals in Halifax. And I'm not talking about the on the court journey, I'm talking about the actual travel to get there. We caught our flight out of Edmonton at uh you know, 7 a.m.-ish on Monday morning, and we got Toronto okay, no issues, waited for our connector, caught that to go to Calgary, no issues, or to, sorry, geez, to Halifax, no issues, and uh, we got about 30 minutes out, and they turned the plane around because the conditions were not fit for landing, and they landed us in Quebec City. Um, so once we had touched down in Quebec City, they didn't have a clue what the next plan was going to be. So we stayed on the tarmac for about two and a half hours uh, with no word. Uh, so eventually they decided to fly back to Toronto. So we took off from Quebec City, flew back to Toronto. And then um, for lack of better terminology, we basically got kicked to the curb. <laughs> Uh, we had to find a hotel in Toronto, stay the night. Uh, luckily, we got hooked up uh, by uh, James DePoe at Humber College. Gave us uh, some time at Humber College the following day because WestJet didn't get us on another flight until um, I think our flight out ended up being the 9.50 p.m. flight on Tuesday. So we spent all of Tuesday in Toronto. We got a practice in. We uh, tried to get as much rest as possible and hydration, all that stuff. And then, um, of course, that flight out was delayed an hour. So, you know, arrived in Halifax at 3 a.m. yesterday, I guess this morning. Uh, got some sleep, and now we're finally here and settled in, and everything is, everything is sunshine and roses now. But it's been a hell of a trip to get here. So they left Edmonton 9 a.m. Monday. They got to Halifax 3 a.m. Wednesday. And they played this afternoon. It did not go well for the Golden Bears. Ranked number eight going in. They had to play number one Carlton. They lost 160. So lost by 40 points to the powerhouse Ravens. We're back with Bob Ridley from the Medicine Hat Tigers. Listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Hey, that's me. Six minutes left in the second period. Panthers leading the Wild 4-1. Late second period, caps up one nothing on New Jersey. The Devils are here next week to play the Oilers. Jets taking it to the Hurricanes. It is four nothing after the first period. Later on tonight, the Canadians play the Ducks. Mark Stone, Vegas Golden Knights, they finalized that contract. Eight years, $76 million, average annual value of $9.5 million. Gabriel Landeskog for the Colorado Avalanche, he will be out four to six weeks. 
So a blow for the Avalanche in their chase for a playoff spot. The Briar, the, the round robins wrapping up tonight, but the top four already decided for the playoff round. You got Alberta, skipped by Kevin Cooey at 10-0. Northern Ontario, skipped by Jacobs at 9-1. and and then the wildcard team slipped, uh, skipped by Alberta's Brendan Botcher at 8-2. and two, And Team Canada skipped by Gushu at 8-2. and two. So Alberta and Northern Ontario will play in the 1-2 page playoff game. The wildcard team in Canada will play in the 3-4 game. Kellen, you know what I find interesting there? You got, uh, so the Briar is our national men's curling bond spiel. Right. Where you have the winners from each province playing off. But they've changed the format. Now they have a wildcard team. They have two pools instead of a full round robin. So of the four playoff teams, only one of them is an actual province. <laughs> Quiz for Kellen. Is it a province? Canada? No. Wildcard? No. Northern Ontario? No. Alberta? Yes. Yes. So, so we only have one actual <laughs> province in the playoffs at the Briar. Neither here nor there. Just I'd, amuses me. How'd you like to live in a province called Wildcard? That we should, gambling we should, we should create, we, we should create a province called Wildcard. Wildcard. <laughs> How'd you guys get in? Well, we won the Wildcard. So we, so we named our province. The Oil Kings play at Calgary tonight. Bakersfield, the Oilers farm team. Incredible run. They will play Stockton. That's Calgary's farm team. Uh, and also, in a few minutes, in the... Uh, Western Hockey League tonight. Medicine Hat taking on Lethbridge. And uh, in a five to ten minutes, when he has a second, Bob Ridley, the play-by-play voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers, will check in. He's uh, been named to the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. Another great honor for him. You can text 630-630. James says, Reed, do you have the audio from Hitch's media availability today when Jim Matheson asked him about McDavid playing against Kadri tomorrow? James, by request, I do have that. It's, every time Connor plays Toronto, they blow it up like it's Connor against Matthew. And yet last game, Tavares played against Connor. And then if Kadri plays tomorrow, Kadri will probably play against Connor. No, Kadri won't play against Connor. <laughs> Not if I can help it. Okay. <laughs> there it was, James. Hitch will be getting McDavid away from Kadri whenever possible tomorrow night at Rogers Place. Okay. This texture says, uh, Reed, I wonder what the last guest meant when he spoke about teams having to play 700 hockey and that he didn't think the teams they were chasing would play 400 or 450 hockey. Was the guest a dinosaur like me, and were they talking about winning percentages or were they talking about points percentages? I agree it's unlikely a team being chased plays at a 400 points percentage. That would be a, a big collapse to win only 6 of 20 games, but I could see a team having a 400 winning percentage and finishing 8-8-4, eight, eight and four, though I know you and pretty much everyone else would say this is a 500 record. Okay, I hope this texter is, is still listening because they texted me last night during overtime open line, Kellen, when I said the Oilers have a 500 record of 30-30-7. Right, I remember that. And this, uh, I, well, actually, I don't, think, I don't think I read it on air, but I did reply to them off air. You, well, you may have seen it because you look at the text too. Right. Um, and I said, well, it's points percentage. It's not winning percentage. It's points percentage. So to this person, first of all, I'm going to say I appreciate your texts, and I understand where you're coming from. But I'm also going to say, for your own spiritual well-being, and I guess for mine as well, 
because you've identified me as the person you want to channel your frustration to. Here is my message to you, dude. You got to get over it. Like, you just got to get over it. Okay, we all know 500 in the NHL is not what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when Rob Brown played. We all know it. It, it, Yeah, absolutely. Usually, if you take 500, about half the teams will finish above 500, and about half the teams will finish under in any given year. Well, it doesn't work like that in the NHL anymore. You know how many teams are over 500 in the NHL? 22 of the 31, and the Oilers are exactly at 500, so there's only eight teams under 500. But, dude, you got to get over it. You got to change the context of 500. And you have to understand that being 500 is actually not that good. It makes you below average. But it's still something that we're going to refer to because it's it's an easy benchmark to identify. And you got to remember, the, the, if you want to just talk about winning percentage, the NHL used to have ties, right? So you could go 35, 35, and 12. You, you didn't win half your games, but you'd be 500 because you got half your points. So, dude, I'm sorry it upsets you, but you got to move on, man. Like, you know, when I, was, when I was a kid, I was really upset when they canceled Emergency, that show about the fire hall. Like, I was really upset, man. But you know what? I'm, now I'm okay. I understand emergency's not on. And there's, there's, other, there's other TV shows that can satisfy my needs. That's all I'm saying, man. It's okay to let it go. All right. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. This portion of the show is presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialists. Call 7804-FAMILY or check him out online at FurnaceFamily.com. He is one of the all-time greats in the history of the Western Hockey League through his work as a broadcaster and a bus driver. He's going into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame formally this summer when the presentation is made in Canmore. It is the one and only Bob Ridley. Bob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm just marvelous. And uh, how about uh, the North Country up there? You guys are still getting some snow here. Yeah, a little bit. It's it's supposed to taper off in June, so I'm pretty optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope so, for goodness sake. (laughs) Hey, it's great to have you on the show again, Bob. I know we've done this before, and and they they just keep putting you in halls of fame and recognizing all your work but but you're going into the uh, hockey alberta hall of fame which is pretty cool i was at the press conference yesterday when they had some of the inductees there obviously uh, you couldn't make it because you're with the tigers but just your thoughts on on going into the the alberta hockey hall of fame i know you didn't get into this business to wind up in in a hall of fame here or there but how does it feel well you never think of it you know you just keep going along you you do what you love and yeah, you know, you just keep tracking, and you go from one game to the next, one day to the next, and just enjoy it. I never once thought that I'd be, uh, uh, you know, inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. It just never crossed my mind. But, uh, you know, it's something real special. When you take a look at it, there's so many wonderful people that work in the game of hockey in our province. And uh, for me to... Uh, Getting the night into the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's very, very special. And it's surreal, actually. And I really haven't been able to get my head around it yet. 
Well, it's it's pretty cool. You're very deserving. And there's another medicine hat angle to this that I have to ask you about because it's pretty cool as well. And those back-to-back Memorial Cup championship teams uh, are, are going in as well. And, I mean, that's it's, it's hard enough to win the WHL title a couple of years in a row. Uh, forget about doing the Memorial Cup two years in a row. I, I got to talk to Scott McCready. He was in Edmonton for the announcement yesterday. Very excited. And uh, two very special teams in Tigers history. And I'm wondering what you remember about those years. Boy, I'll tell you, they were great teams. There's no question. And uh, they had it all. We had it right from the goaltending all on out. And uh, some great individuals uh, like Robbie DeMaio, uh, Trevor Linden, uh, Mark Fitzpatrick, uh, Mark Peterson, Scott McCready, Dean, uh, Dean Chanelf, and the list goes on and on. And uh, they were tremendous, not only in 87, but also in 88. And they've become very good friends of mine, too. Over the years, we've uh, kept in touch with a lot of them. And uh, for them to uh, win back-to-back Memorial Cups, uh, dynasties just don't happen anymore. And that was a very special thing. And special for the Alberta uh, Hall of Fame also to induct them because uh, it's only been uh, – the Medicine Tigers that have had two teams back-to-back ever inducted out of Alberta and the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. So uh, I think that is so good. And I know Edmonton, they've had a couple of three championships, but they weren't back-to-back. And, you know, uh, for those guys that worked so hard those years for those two championships, it's really special for sure. You mentioned being in touch with all those players, and and Scott McCready said that yesterday that that he'll still talk to you every every once in a while. And just looking back on on your career, I mean, just when you're in touch with players, and obviously there's been plenty who have gone on to the NHL, but so many other guys who will just go into another walk of life or, or succeed in in other fields it must be pretty incredible for you to to catch up to former tigers stay in touch with former tigers because uh, you, you're so connected to so many so many of these guys yeah and that's what makes it so special because uh you know them and uh you don't forget about them i mean they may graduate move on to different things get into the nhl maybe become professors or doctors or lawyers or whatever they uh, whatever else it may be but uh, they're special people, and uh, they provided so much entertainment and were a big uh, part of the hockey community in Medicine Hat and here in Western Canada. How can you forget about them? So every once in a while, I'll give us Scott McCready a call or uh, Mark Peterson, who's over in Denmark right now, give him a shout, and uh, Wayne McBean, who's down in Arizona, will give him a shout, too, and just to touch base and uh, talk about some good old days. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, those were great old days uh, back in 87, 88. Tigers almost uh, won uh, the championship in 86 as well, but fell just a little bit short against the Kamloops Blazers. So you can tell from that it was just a tremendous time in the history of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Bob Ridley joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Medicine Hat Tigers. He's a 2019 inductee into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, they had a press conference for that uh, yesterday afternoon at Rogers Place, which was uh, which was pretty cool. Okay, Bob, give me an update here. Uh, you, the bus driving days are, are behind you, or do you still get behind the wheel a little bit? Because that's one of your, your biggest claims to fame. What's, what's going on there? <laughs> no, I still do a little bit uh, substitute driving when they... A uh, regular driver gets a little bit tired, runs out hours, and I'll step in and help out a little bit. But no more long hauling. 
I just uh, take it a little bit at a time because it feels kind of good still to get behind the wheel of that bus periodically. Can you believe that? Well, I well I can because you, it was such a big part of your life. You, you must have felt you must have felt strange being in the passenger seat. Now Scott said sometimes on a trip, you know, he he, he couldn't sleep or or he just wanted to you know get away from the guys a little bit. Did you have a lot of conversations with players? Like, was that another way to form a unique bond that some of these, uh, you know, they were all teens at the time, might just come up and, and sit next to the, to the driver a little bit? Tell me a little bit about that part of it. Yeah, there was quite a few players that used to do that. They couldn't sleep. Uh, like you mentioned, wanted to uh, kind of stretch their uh, legs a little bit on a long haul coming back home, and they'd uh, come up and sit on the Gatorade uh thing there and uh they sit there and chit chat they stand in the uh, wheel well and uh uh you know just talk about anything it didn't really matter you could tell that they were uh just wanted to talk with some old guy that uh maybe had a different look at things and so on and so it was really special uh, kelly rudy was a regular guy he used to come up and chat all the time and there were others as well and i always welcome that because uh you know, they kept me focused on the road and everything else. So uh, that's why all these players that have uh, come through the Medicine Tiger organization are very, very special. Well, Kelly Rudy's a, a weekly guest on Inside Sports. Uh, no, now, did he actually listen or did he just do all the talking? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I wanted to talk hockey and he wanted to talk broadcasting. Believe it or not, back then, he had his uh, eyes set on being a broadcaster when he uh, left hockey. I couldn't believe that why he'd ever want to be a broadcaster, but uh, that was going to be his goal, and look what he's done now. A uh, big part of Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, I just love Kelly Rudy. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's fun to have on the show. Okay, we should turn our attention to this season here before I let you go. You're obviously doing a game tonight, Medicine Hat at Lethbridge. It's tight for the Tigers, uh, two points up in the chase for a wild card spot and you know maybe an opponent for the Edmonton Oil Kings in the first round depending how things take down uh, give me a bit on the Tigers season and what they need to do to nail down a playoff spot here well what happened here just about a month ago they went into a slide they lost a couple of players well actually three players uh, because of injury and so on as a result they lost seven in a row up until then they had uh, a playoff spot almost nailed down but they slipped because the Eastern Conference is so competitive and everything else. Uh, Lethbridge, uh, they caught fire, and Brandon caught fire for a while as well. But uh, they're out of their building because of the fire and so on. So they've been on a bit of a slide, and as a result, we've got the Radio Rebels, Brandon Wickings, and the Medicine Hat Tigers are battling for the final playoff spots. Now, the Tigers tomorrow will play the Brandon Wickings uh, back at the Canal to Center Medicine Hat. That will be the key game of the Tigers can uh, maybe even salvage a single point here tonight against Lethbridge and win tomorrow night. That'll pretty well nail down a playoff spot for them. So that's how close it's been. And, boy, it's an exciting finish for the fans. Bob, it is always great to have you on the show. Thanks for fitting me in right before a game. You're a class act. Congratulations on getting into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame as well, man. Hope we talk again soon. All right, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Love that guy, Bob Ridley, play-by-play voice for the Medicine Hat Tigers, longtime bus driver as well. He's going into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. By the way, we're going to have another inductee, Shirley Cameron, on the show later. Did incredible work getting uh, women's hockey going here in Edmonton and northern Alberta. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. The pizza delivery guy says, don't feel bad, Reed. You can watch emergency episodes on YouTube.
Well, I'm going to have to check those out. 780-496-0063. Don is standing by. Don, what's on your mind? Hey, Reed, great interview. Boy, that guy's had a life, I'll tell you. Love Bob, yeah. Yeah, I love him too. That's the first time I've ever heard him, but uh, highly impressive. Listen, my question is, I've been wondering this for a while now, and it's growing because it seems like they're uh, having stats on uh, just about everything. I want to know how they collect those stats. It's probably quite changed over the years when uh, they used to just collect the shots on goal and maybe hits. But now you got stats for, there's hundreds of them. Yeah. Okay, well, some of the stuff, some of the stats, so if you... Uh, if you go to a game that's been played and go to NHL.com, you can scroll down and find something called the event summary. And that's yep. the one that has all the shots on goal, shot attempts, missed shots, hits. So there are, I believe, a, at least a half dozen, a stats crew of a half dozen people at Oilers games that are ah. employed by the NHL. Not their full-time jobs, obviously, but I, I, I talk to them all, all the time, not during games because they're working, but they will track who's on the ice, shot wide or blocked. So there's actual human beings tracking a lot of that stuff. And then some yeah. of the advanced stats, I don't know if you're familiar with Corsi and Fenwick yep. and some of that type of stuff. So the, the, yep. the people who are into that, We'll just add up all the shot totals, right? And say, well, right. the shots might have been 30-30, but the Oilers actually had 70 shot attempts and Calgary only had 40, so the Oilers actually theoretically have the puck more. So that's just yeah. adding up the existing stats. And then I know, uh, who was that I talked to a couple months ago? A gentleman from the NHL, and they're going to start doing more of the puck tracking and probably having... Um, chips on players and actually the, the Hitch has talked about that with Dreisaitl and McDavid that they've done some tracking for them to test their you know fatigue level and all, all that kind of stuff so it's it's still a combination of good old fashioned human eyeballs and incorporating more technology Wow okay. Wow that's uh, quite something I appreciate the, the answer Reed it's quite involved though so yeah, it is, and, and the coaches and players, and I think fans want all that information, whether some people use it or not. I mean, uh, my dad's the type of guy, he'd be like, tell me the final score, right? But, but yeah. some, some people, uh, if they want to dig a little bit deeper, then then there's a lot more stuff available. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Reed. That is Don at 780-496-0063. We also have Brian standing by. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How you doing tonight? Good, man. So, uh, just out of curiosity, uh, I'm wondering if you've uh, heard any speculation on what uh, line combinations might be tomorrow night. I think that they would probably start the top six the same way. So, Nuge, McDavid, and Cassian, Dreisaitl, Chason, and, and Gagne together. Now, at practice today, Lucic didn't practice, so the other seven forwards were just kind of rotating. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they if if Kara is feeling good if he gets some more minutes. He only played I think was it eight and a half yesterday. I mean maybe he goes with Cave and Curry, especially if Luch Luch can't go. And then you might have I mean I don't know if Raddy's coming back in. I think we're all pretty aware of Hitch's opinion of Raddy whether he says it or not. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they want to get Kara more involved, but it looked like the top two lines are probably going to be the same. I I 
personally, I still think they they need to put Hopkins with Drysaddle, and I really like the way Gagne has looked with uh, with McDavid and Cassian. And the nice thing about Sam Gagne, as we all know, he loves to shoot the puck. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think tomorrow night's game, tomorrow night's game is going to be the big one. Out of, out of the remaining ones uh, that I think they've got this year, tomorrow night's game is going to be the telltale one. And uh, I can tell you one thing: I'm going to, I will guarantee that there's no way it's going to be a blowout for Toronto tomorrow night. Well, I hope not. I mean, I think the Oilers learned some lessons from that game against the Leafs. Koskinen's playing pretty well, and the Oilers seem to be a little more determined than they might have been when they were going through that lull, especially when they they couldn't win at home. So I I, I hope it's a good game. I mean, it's always fun when the Leafs come to town. I, I, I like what you're saying. I wouldn't mind seeing McDavid with whatever, two other two other guys. Um, because I think I, I mean, the other team's always going to match up McDavid, right? Even if he's not with Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl. Uh, absolutely. And I think, and I think Nuge can play with anybody because he's smart enough. And the way Dreisaitl's playing lately... <laughs> you know, he looks like he can play with anybody. Well, and look how the two of them played when um, when McDavid was suspended for those two games. Uh, right, uh, though they would have been on di- though they would have been on different lines, right? No, they they had, at least the first game they they started with Hopkins dry saddle together. Did they start them that way? Oh yeah, maybe they did. And and you know, I I think they need to they need to keep. I mean, dry saddle. Let's face it. I mean, he's he's definitely taking that that next step and and right now it's going to be a, a almost a coin toss who do you put out against mcdavid who do you point put out against dry and if you have them both on the same line you're putting all your eggs in one basket yeah and, and with the with the leafs let's let's face it i mean they've got four lines that can go we've got to have at least two and a good checking line to, to even fare close to against them. Yeah, well, I hear what you're saying for sure. Brian, thanks for calling, man. Enjoy the Have game. Have a great tomorrow. night. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Uh, we got the 7 o'clock news and weather coming up. Speaking to the Leafs, their play-by-play voice, Joe Bowen, when we get back. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.